Thank you so much. Really good to see you in church. I want to remind you, it's okay to be friendly in church. Those lights were bright. It's okay to be friendly in church. Can someone say amen? Online church, that includes you. You can say hi in the comments. You can say good morning. Uh, we love our online campus. Um, sometimes online campus become in-person co uh, campus. We have a couple right over here that we'd see them in the chat from Columbia saying, we're going to move someday. We're going to move someday. I'm like, sure you are. Yeah. Awesome. And then now they're here and they joined our church for months online. Yeah. Muy bueno. <laughs> Thank you. That's all you're going to get. The rest is going to be English. I'm not even sure that was Spanish. The only Spanish I know is Taco Bell. That's the only thing I know. Uh, as I said, uh, this week I was just encouraged. I had the opportunity to, um, with a church planting movement, go across the country and do conferences with church planters, those that have planted churches, those that are looking to plant churches, or those that are part of church plants. And it was, it was incredible. And sometimes, sometimes you just get so in your own lane and your own, your own um, assignment that you can kind of forget that God is bigger than you think he is. And um, I had an amazing time preaching in Toronto um, and then flew to Calgary. And I love Calgary, but I'm really glad I live in Nova Scotia. They got 15 centimeters of snow yesterday. So Lord, just bless them. And Moncton, with all that snow, just bless them. Lord, more, Lord, more. In fact, right now, let's pray for Calgary. Lord, would you take our snow that's coming down the road and just bless them with it, Lord? They enjoy it so much. Just bless them. I got in my rental car, and there was a, a, an ice scraper on the front seat. I thought, okay, we're not, we're not in Halifax anymore. And then flew into Vancouver and had an amazing few days there. Um, and I want to, people are still planting churches. People are still believing for God to do amazing things. And hear stories of people that planted during the pandemic. Like there are people that planted churches in 2020, 2021, people, men and women of faith and see what God's doing. And so encouraging to build your faith when you get around people and you hear what God is doing. And you're here today because God is moving. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible, take, turn to Galatians chapter four. We're in a series called Galatians going through the six chapters of Galatians. And uh, we want to elevate the Word of God. Um, sometimes we can talk with the Word of God. We can even carry the Word of God. Um, but what changes you is reading the Word of God and unpacking it. And we simply just want to elevate. It's almost like a book study. It's almost like a Bible study of going through and pulling out a few truths from these, uh, from these chapters and believe God will speak to you today. Let me pray. I believe God has a plan for this morning. Uh, already, I believe you're hopefully already felt his faith grow in you, that he is the firm foundation of your life. Amen? How many enjoyed that song? Anybody enjoy that song? Won't he? Won't he, won't he defend you? Won't he help you? Won't he uh, protect you? Won't he be with you? He's promised that he'll do it. There's a theme today. And then even Waymaker. He's a God that makes promises, and he makes a way. And say, I'm going to brag on God. We're going to brag on God, and I believe your faith's going to grow. But let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. Thank you, first of all, God, um, that you're here. God, I thank you that we're not just on our own trying to figure this out, but we, we have you today. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're here. Thank you for every guest that walked through this door. That's, that's, that's a big deal. And God, some of them, first time in church, maybe in their lives or maybe in a long time. And Father, I pray today that they would feel, first of all, a love from us, that, that we're, we were expecting them and we're really glad they're here. And God, I'm praying that they would leave here aware of your goodness and your plan for their lives. And God, I pray for our church family today, whatever they're going through, would they be encouraged? God, would you help us mentally, physically, spiritually? God, would you just lean in today as we lean into you? God, we need a word from you. We need to hear from you today. And our goal is very clear, God, that we would meet with you. So we draw close even now. God, we've got up, we've come to church, we've 
We've tuned into online church. And Father, we're leaning in. Would you encourage us today? Would you help me, Father, unpack your word with truth, with power and intention? And God, would you change lives? We love you, Jesus. And everybody said, God is so good. Take a notes today, write down this title somewhere, I Feel a Connection. I feel a connection. Look at your neighbor and say, I feel a connection. Look at your neighbor and go, is it just me or do I feel a connection? If you're single here, I just helped you a lot right there. Bring people to church. You never know what could happen. It could just be like blind dates up in here. We could help you out. I feel a connection. Galatians chapter 4, we're uh, in chapter 4 this week. I want to start reading in verse 21, just a few verses. Uh, Paul, we've been unpacking. Even last week, we were unpacking. Too blessed to be stressed. If you haven't listened to last week, I don't say this very often, but if you have not listened to last week, go back and listen to it. I think it'll free some of you, take the weight off some of you, some of the pressure that you're living under, the performance you're living under. Uh, you're stressed, and there's so much stress going around. We are too blessed to be stressed. God has blessed us and given his life for us, and Jesus died for your sins. You don't need to walk around looking like you have to. Come on, somebody. We can smile because God has a plan, and everybody said... Galatians chapter 4, verse 21. Tell me, you who want to live under the law. Another word for law is works on your own, making it happen by yourself. Do you know what the law actually says? Verse 22. The scriptures say, now Paul goes into an illustration from history talking about Abraham. He said, you know that Abraham had two sons, and one of them from his slave wife and one from his freeborn wife. The son of his slave wife was born in a human attempt to bring the fulfillment of God's promises. But the son of the freeborn wife was born of God's own fulfillment of his promise. Jump down to, and it says, two women serve as an illustration, verse 24, of God's two covenants. The first woman, Hagar, represents Mount Sinai, where people received the law that enslaved them. We jump down to verse 26. And it says, but the other woman, Sarah, represents the heavenly Jerusalem. She is a free woman, and she is our mother. Here, uh, Paul is talking about Abraham. He just wants to paint a picture. He says, basically, God has promises. And he says, here in an illustration, Abraham heard the promises of God. I grew up in church. Remember the song? Father Abraham. Anybody, remember? Anybody grew up in church? Had many sons. Okay, we got to get organized here. Okay, here we go. <laughs> father Abraham had many sons. Oh, my gosh. Many sons had Father Abraham. Here we go. I am one of them. So let's just praise the right arm. No, stop. And some, some guest is like, I knew this was a cult. I should never have come here. I just found out who went to church as a kid right there. These songs. He's talking about Abraham, and he had, he had this promise of God that he was going through him. God was going to create a nation. There's a difference between a country and a nation. It says Abraham left his country to become a nation. And it's interesting that God was going to, through him, birth a nation. And he, the promise is, it's a good promise. I feel lonely. I, I want to have legacy. And I feel like there's going to be this, this, this future, and it's a good plan. But then on his own, he goes, I don't have time to wait for God. I'm not, I don't want to wait for God. I've been waiting. Like the poet mayor says, waiting, waiting on the world to change. I just can't do it anymore. I'm going to take it in my own hands. And it says, that, it says here that he went and took one of his slaves and he act wives and actually tried to make the promises happen, which 
His, 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 his spiritual wife, he couldn't get pregnant. So he said, I'm going to find another way to get someone pregnant and start this. And then it says that later on, his, 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 God's plan, his original wife gave birth. He says, listen, Abraham couldn't wait. He did it on his own, made a mess of things. When he waited for God, it came the right way. Here's what I, I, I realized is that we do the same thing. We just make a mess of things. Isn't waiting difficult? Some of you don't even know how, some of you are too young to know how, how hard waiting is. I used to think the most challenging thing in your world, in your life, is not knowing what to do with your life. I remember being a young adult going, what am I going to do with my life? What am I, where, where, where am I, who am I going to marry? Where am I going to live? What am I going to do? I used to think, like, man, I got to figure out, I had more, more, more questions than answers. I had more future than history. If you could go back, some of you are living in that season, but if you can go back going, man, how am I going to figure this out? How am I going to be able to get my first car? How am I going to figure out my job? And you had all this. That's not the most challenging season. The most challenging season is when you know what you're called to do and you have to wait. And Abraham here is waiting. And in this passage in the story, Paul brings it out because he's still talking about law and he's talking about grace. He's talking about law, which is our own effort, our own works, on our own, our own way. And he's talking about grace, which is faith, which is blessing, which is relying on God. I want to unpack this today because I believe uh, over the last few weeks, God's trying to get something through to us through this chapter of the Bible, these chapters of the Bible. A few points I want to pull out of this passage of Galatians chapter 4 today is number one, that there's a promise of God for your life. Now we say that, we sang about it today, we've talked about it today, but some of you need to understand this is the foundation of our faith is that God has a good plan for your life. Like some of you need to wrestle with that. Some of you have been in church so long, all you see is rules, you don't see relationship. What we have, the longer you're in this, the, my drug of choice is not heroin, it's not alcohol, it's not speed. The drug that I find I numb myself with is religion if I'm not careful. And the longer you're in this, you get blind to the grace and the goodness of God, and all you see is the duty and responsibilities and the rules. And I want to remind you today, as Paul said, there is promises from God. God is good. It's the foundation of our faith. It's the ground level that God has a plan. Maybe you've never heard that today, that you're not here by accident. It doesn't matter who your father was, who your mother was, what side of the tracks you grew up in, what your economic background, your earning potential. It doesn't matter your last name, the color of your skin. It doesn't matter your Enneagram or your IQ. You need to know God has a good plan for your life. I can't camp there today, but some of you, I feel like I need to, I need to help you believe that. Some of you still think God is angry at you. You still think God is distant from you. you. Listen, if God wanted to condemn the world, he would have sent a condemner. He sent a savior because of his love, he wants to save the world. We have to understand God has a good plan, but not just salvation. For your plan here on life, not just to get you to heaven, not just to get you right with God, but I believe your assignment on this earth, your assignment while you're living here is a good plan. You're not just taking up space. I grew up sometimes in the old days, we sang all about heaven. It was just, you know, um, when we just get to heaven, you know, someday when that eastern sky breaks and he comes back, we're going to go to heaven. And I don't think we talk enough about heaven these days. But some of the old days, it was always about, let's just get past this life and get to the next. I want to remind you that there's a reason why you're here. There's a reason why you're here. There's a purpose that should tuck you in and wake you up and, and get you excited. 1 Corinthians 2.9, I love this verse. It says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those that love him. I don't know about you, but i got a great imagination. 
The Bible says that nobody's even heard, no one has ever seen, and no one's even dreamt up. I mean, the Disney Studios, the Pixar Studios, the Marvel Studios, no, no romance novel, no adventure movie, nobody, nobody can imagine as good as what God's plan is for your life. You need to get to a foundational level. Some of you just need, you've been so much in the work grind and responsibility grind and the parent grind and the life grind, and we're coming out of a crazy, challenging couple of years. You need to get some dreaming back that God has a plan for your life. I'm in that season right now. I'm shaking some things off my life. I was just going across the country and I'm talking to people and I'm hearing about miracles that God's doing in their church and their marriages and their kids and their families. And I'm stirring myself up going, right, God is good and there is a plan. Some of you need to be reminded today that God has promises for you, that there's a plan. The older I get, the more I'm aware of God's goodness in my life. Have you, have you played that game yet? Where would I be if I had? I thank God for unanswered prayers. Anybody else in this room? You prayed for that relationship to work? Thank God it did not work. Thank God you didn't marry that person? Come on, somebody. Thank God you didn't get that transfer or that job or that opportunity. I look back now at my life, I'm at the stage where my God has a good plan, and I'm overwhelmed with the fact that I would not be here if it wasn't for God's goodness and God's plan. I was just thinking this week uh, how much I love my wife and, and how thankful I am. I'm, I'm a little emotional because I'm jet-lagged, so just give me some grace today. But I'm just thankful for my wife and my kids and my family. And I just start playing that game. I, I ran into an old friend that I hadn't seen in 25 years. Um, I, I met him on a missions trip in another country, and we ran into each other, and he works for a, 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 a ministry, and I, we had this blast from the past and saw each other, and we caught up, and we started catching up on our lives. And as I told the stories, I started realizing, you know what? I'm not smart enough to make this happen, my life. I'm not good enough. I'm not, I'm not talented enough. I, I was thinking about the church I grew up in. There was a guitar player like Nick. His name was... His name was actually Rick, and he was a pilot, a helicopter pilot. And I remember he was a, had a young family and his wife, and he took a job in Newfoundland. I remember as a church, as a young leader, going, oh, that's, real, that's, that's tough that Rick's leaving. But, you know, cool, he's going for a promotion to Newfoundland to be a helicopter pilot. And Rick goes to Newfoundland. There's this new church that started. And as he got to helping with the youth and being involved, they said, we need a youth pastor. And he said, I know, a, I know a guy that could be a youth pastor back in Halifax. And my younger brother was a great friend of Rick. And, and my younger brother's only 21 years of age. And sure enough, they called my brother and said, would you interest in coming to be a, a youth pastor in Newfoundland? And my brother, at 21 years of age, prepared, uh, pr uh, proposed to his girlfriend, bought a car, and drove to Newfoundland. Drove overseas. Come on, somebody. Went to the, to the foreign land. <laughs> Took him a while to learn the language, but he figured it out. And, and went there and started, started a, a, um, a youth ministry called 180, talking about how you, and which represented your life. If you're going this way and you meet Jesus, you do a 180. And 180 youth ministry had a logo and they had a little office and people started coming. And that church that my brother was a part of is a church where my wife got saved. Came in in her late teens and early 20s and met with Jesus, had a radical conversion, fell in love with Jesus and his goodness for her life. And she went and met Jesus. In that church, they rented a, an old legion hall that smelled like cigarettes and regret. But they'd make it into something, roll the carpet out and do the best they can. And 100 people would cram in there on Sundays. And she met Jesus and became a part of that church and part of that youth leadership team. And then me, I took a whole bunch of teenagers down to Newfoundland for a missions trip. And we preached Jesus on George Street. If you know anything about George Street, they need Jesus. And we worked in the children's hospital. And we did camps and we did carnivals. And, all this, and I met my wife. And two weeks later, we got engaged. And 10 months later, we got married. Come on, somebody. And I'm sitting there going, you know, I, I, it's not my talent or my ability. I'm thinking, thank God for a guitar player who said, I, I believe God's leading me to Newfoundland to take this job. 
because of that promotion and that hearing God for his family and his life and then his connection to my brother, then my brother's obedience to go on the plan of God for him. I'm sitting there going, I've reaped a wife and my kids in this church and, and I realize God has a plan for my life and it's more than I can ever imagine or think. The older I get, I start playing the dice. If that, if that person hadn't moved here, we wouldn't know them. That wouldn't have happened. If, if we hadn't said yes to that opportunity that God brought, thank God that door closed because my life would be drastically different. And I'm living in the harvest of God's goodness of his promises. You need to remember God's working when you're not. Some of you are so exhausted from working the, the plan in your life that you don't give God a chance to do anything. That's why I believe, I think it's fascinating that we have to sleep. I was just with a guy in Vancouver. He sleeps four, nights, four hours a night. That's it. He does his best FaceTime calls. He oversees the church in Australia at one in the morning. I'm like, you're insane. I love sleep. Where are my sleep people in this place? Some of you are asleep right now. I love it, right? <laughs> but I, I, I just realized that we work so hard. At some point, I believe in working hard. I believe that. But there's something about understanding the foundation isn't I've got to hustle and use my muscle to make this happen. Is that there's a God that is for me. And no eye has seen, no ear has heard. No animator, no, no storyboard, no, no, no illustrator, no, no dreamer has even understand or imagined what God wants to do for my life. It's a good plan. First thing Abraham says is there's promises. Abraham made promises. I'm God for him. You need to know there's promises for your life, for your marriages, for your kids, for your mental health. There's promises for your spirit and for your soul and for your purpose. There's promises for God. God's a good plan. Then he goes on and says, but you know what? Like Abraham, we try to make it happen on our own way. We try to do it on our own with works. Another word for works would be willpower or your own effort. Here's what I've realized, that works of the flesh, as, Abraham, as Paul calls them, or just on your own, your own strength going, I'm smart enough, I can figure this out, I can work hard enough, I can make this happen. Abraham would not wait for God to fulfill his promises of birthing a nation through him. He couldn't wait, so I'm going to do it on my own. I'm like, okay, who's fertile and who's close enough? You know what? That'll work. This, this relationship will work, and I'll make it happen. And God must have forgotten about me, and God's maybe not strong enough, or maybe God's got everything on his mind. I'm going to help God out, and he ended up making a mess. Here's what I've learned is that works of the flesh produce one thing, frustration. Instant frustration. Trying to do something in your own strength that we can't possibly do on our own. Next week, we'll be going through Galatians 5, which is all about the fruit of the Spirit. And if you read the fruit of the Spirit, it says when you're full of God's Spirit, things start to grow in your life. We're in the time of the year when you pick apples and pumpkins. It's because it's a fruit that naturally grows on apple trees and on the vines of pumpkins. If it's the right source and the right vine, you'll get the right fruit. And in Galatians 5, next week, is talking about how the, if you have the Holy Spirit in your life, there's things that will naturally grow, and it lists them. It lists love. That's a good one. Joy. Peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, self-control. It keeps going. You know what's interesting is that you try to do it on your own. You're thinking, you ever do that? You're thinking, I'm going to be more loving this week? Am I the only one? You're like, I'm going to be more patient this week. I've been really impatient with patience. You know, it's not growing in my life quick enough. So I'm going to, I heard something on, you know, some motivational speech, speech on social media. Do you see these on social media? Some guy's running down the road trying to coach you. Hey, you. Yeah, you. You know, get off your coach. You go for a run. You're like, well, if he can do it, I can do it. He's running, I'm running 30 miles with a backpack. You know, I'm sponsoring kids all over the world as I do this, you know. I'm solving cancer and putting rockets into space. What are you doing right now? I'm like, I'm eating cheesies, you know. I'm watching this, oh gosh, I'm so lazy. Or you see the right video with the right music going over mountains and scenery and this beautiful scenery, all of a sudden it's like, hey, hey you. Yeah, you can do it. God's got a plan for your life. 
He's going to turn that test into a testimony. You're like, oh, I'm going through a test. It's going to be a testimony. That mess that you're in is going to be a message. God's going to play. Like, right. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to be more full of love and patience and kindness. I'm, I'm just going to be more loving this week in the lobby. I'm going to have a coffee, and I'm going to meet somebody. I'm going to be friendly. And then you know what happens when you try to do it on your own? It works until you meet people. <laughs> I'm going to, you know what? It's really easy to have patience until you meet people. Some of you just laughed a little too close at that one. Like, I'm going to be extra loving. And if someone tests it with their, you meet somebody, and you're all motivated. I'm going to do this on my, I'm going to get up early. I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to be more loving and more patient and more kind and more self-control. And it works until you meet that person. You know, it's Brenda from HR again. She walks into your office. Got a second? I don't, Brenda. I don't, right? You're like, no, I'm patient this week. I'm loving. I'm loving. I'm loving. I love HR. I love Brenda. All right. And then she's, she's on your last nerve. She's dancing on your last nerve by. She's dancing. It's realizing how you lose it. You try to do it on your own. Church, if we're not careful, can be the most frustrating place in the world if we're not careful. Because we, we walk out more aware of what we're doing wrong and more of what God expects from us and the more need of change. If we're not careful, we'll walk out going, I've got to do this myself. I've got to be better. I'm going to read Galatians. I'm going to read Ephesians. I'm going to do more. And if we're not careful, we hear the promise of God of change and being better. And then we go, I'm going to do it myself. My daughter, Maddie, her first sentence I remember her ever saying is, I do it myself. If you met Maddie, it makes a lot of sense, right? She's like, I'm going to do it. Josh is like, help me. He's like his father. Help me. Do everything. And Maddie's like, I'll do it. I do it myself. I'm like, Maddie, you're, you want to paint your toes? You're four. Let me help you. No, I do it myself. Like, we, want, we need to go. Get dressed. I do it myself. And then she'd do it herself and come down. And there'd be more nail polish on the carpet than her little toes. She'd come down with, like, a sweater, pants, and a tutu on. I'm like, that's not going to work. And we do the exact same thing. We do it ourselves. We make a mess of our lives. Paul's saying here is that God has a promises, but you make a mess of things when you do it on your own. If you don't understand grace, you're going to be frustrated in your faith. Because you can walk out of these moments going, I know I need my marriage to be better. I know I, my faith needs to be better. I need to be, draw closer to God. I know there's areas I need to grow. I need to, be, I need, I need, I need to see change in my life. And if you're not careful, you'll walk out, and all you'll hear is the promises of God, but you'll think you've got to make them happen. That's works. You walk in, you get frustrated, you get exhausted. And if you don't understand grace, two things will happen. You'll be faithful, but you'll be cranky. I know a lot of cranky Christians. Not in this church at all. But some, they're, so, they're so faithful, they're miserable. I'm here, I set up everything, and I love Jesus. I'm like, well, notify your face. Because I think you got baptized in vinegar when we did it a few months ago. Like, like come on, you're, you're pickled right now. You'll be faithful, but you'll be miserable, or, or you'll be so discouraged by how much change needs to happen in your life that you'll just walk away. And we've seen a lot of that. People going, like, I just can't do this. I, just, I, I can't change. I can't change. I feel like I'm wired different. I feel like I, don't, I can't be faithful enough. So Paul says there's promises, and he says, you can't do it on your own. It's not works. And then he says this. He says, he says you've got to trust God to work it out. That's grace. Today, it's simply as this. God has promises. You need to know he has good promises for your life. But if you're not careful, that promise will be a, a place of frustration. He's promised me I'll have these relationships and, and this purpose, and I'll have this growth, and I'll have patience and peace and joy, and then you make it happen, and when you fail after a week or two or a month, frustration replaces where faith should be, and you'll walk away around cranky, faithful or cranky, or you'll just walk away. And that is the story of the church right now. We have people that are cranky and people that are walking away. And somewhere, I feel like we've, we've traded grace for works. We've traded his blessing for stressing. We said, instead of God saying, I'll do it, and you work with me, to saying, God, I'll do it all, but I do it myself. 
And we walk down going, I've made a mess of my life. And God's like, all right, we got work to do. Frustration. God says, trust me to work it out. That's grace. Trying to do this with willpower always ends badly. And we're missing out on the life God's designed for you. I had a moment, worship team, you can come back. I had this moment a couple days ago. I'm in Vancouver, and my son, Josh, me and Nancy's son, lives there now. And he's in a part of an internship at a church, and he's working full-time. And it was just really special. He was serving at this one-day conference in Vancouver, and then we had a chance to hang out in the city for a day. And really special. The moment for me was I'm sitting outside having lunch with these pastors in between sermons. And this one pastor from Winnipeg and his wife are talking to me, and Josh comes out, and he's serving. He has the serve t-shirt on. He's helping, and he's setting up and tearing down, and he's doing parking lot, and he's doing venue and doing chairs, and he's serving food. And he comes over, and he's hanging out with his dad and these two pastors. And the pastor, they have a young daughter who's under two, and they're looking at Josh, and they're seeing him smile, and they're seeing him serve, and they, they, they're friends of me, and they know our lives. And they asked me a question, but Josh is a part of the conversation. And they said, hey, maybe you can help me someday, Mike. You and Nancy, like, how to raise pastors' kids that don't walk away from the faith, that still love God. Like, I need, I need, as we raise our kid in a church that we just planted, I'm going to need to come to you guys for advice. And what's amazing was he was asking me, but Josh answered the question. It was awesome. Josh goes, oh, I can answer that. I'm like, oh, this is going to be fantastic. <laughs> it was a moment. I'm like, this, how's this going to go? He said, well, it's like dad and mom always say. Why would you want to rebel? If you give them a life of opportunity and adventure and faith and hope. And he said, I've had nothing but adventure in my life and amazing relationships in my life. And I've seen nothing but um, um, opportunities in my life. I've had nothing but love and grace. And he said, why would I walk away from that? He said, to walk away from the call of God, to walk away from the faithfulness of God, to walk away from God would be to walk away from everything good, joy, adventure, um, opportunities, relationships. He said, I'm looking at my life at 18 years of age. And he said, it's all because of God. He said, so why would I walk away? And I'm sitting there going, he got it. He got it. I had this moment, I'm like, I can't wait to get home and tell your mother everything you just said. I'm trying to play it cool, like, yeah, we say that all the time, it's really good. <laughs> and inside, I'm like, yes! Because what Josh didn't say was, you know, like, I, I read my Bible four chapters a day, and my parents got me on a reading plan that's really strict, and we get up at 6 a.m., we do prayer walks around our, Jericho marches around our neighborhood, and, you know, like, he didn't go into the works, he came in and God's just so good, like, God's given me so many opportunities and so many adventures. My passport's full of stamps. My Instagram's full of memories. My heart's full of relationships. He's like, God's been so good. And he goes, I look at everything. And I, I, even why I'm here in Vancouver is because God set it up. The reason why I know these people is because God set it up. This, this job I have is that God set it up. And the, this house I'm living in, it was an answer to prayer that God set it up. And what he said is, I realize that God has a plan, but God wants to work it out. It's a real trust in God. Listen, church, we got to focus, and our aim is on our connection with the Holy Spirit. That's, that's what this fight is. That's what we're at. This is everything. Is, is we, we're not here fighting to get worthy for God. We're not fighting for change. We're not fighting to be better. All we have to fight for is to stay connected. That's our fight. Some of you are so busy trying to be God and change yourself and change your spouse and change your teenager and change your city and change your church. You're frustrated or you give up and walk away. The fight, there's a fight. 
The Bible calls it a fight of faith. It says it here in, in, in 1 Timothy chapter 6. It says, fight the good fight for the true faith. What fight is that? That's not with politics. That's not with your neighbor. That's not with your spouse. The fight is to stay connected. That's the fight. And Paul's saying here, some of you are so busy fighting with each other and trying to live laws and rules, you're missing it. There's a grace and a goodness of God. But what you got to fight for is to stay connected. That's what we're doing here. That's why we do this. That's why we do this. It's not if we sing the right song and you come at the right time and you read the right amount. No, no, fight for connection. That's the fight we're in. Proverbs 1.7, fear the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Let me read that again as we close. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. When was the last time you heard a sermon on the fear of the Lord? Some people think it's like a fear that God's going to be mean or he's going to hurt me. That's not the fear. The fear of the Lord is that the fear is me separating from the direction and the correction. You see that verse? It says wisdom and discipline. When God connects, he gives you wisdom, which is direction. Do this. Don't do this. Go over here. And discipline, correction. The fear we need to have is not that God's going to hurt us. God's not angry at us. God's not mad at us. The fear I have is Gosh, don't let me miss out on the promises you have. Don't let me miss out on your direction. Don't let me miss out on your correction because if I stay connected, I know your promises are yes and amen. They're going to happen in my life. The fear we need to get back in the church is a fear of disconnection from God. That's why you're watching that show. You're like, well, it's rated the right way. There's only this much in it. Listen, it's not a matter if the show is right or wrong. That's base level. That movie, that book, that relate, it's not about that, that's base love. It's now is, does it help or hurt my connection with God? You'll be watching something that might be right for someone else, but you're going, I just feel like I'm grieving God. I feel like there's like, like there's a disconnection there. That's what you've got to fight for. That relationship, that, that relationship going like, we, we, we matched up, we make sense. He loves God or she loves God, we're good. Like, and you're going, no, but there's God's saying, this is not what I have for you. They're good, but they're not God. This is not the right thing. You're like, I know I'm grieving God by pursuing this and making it happen on my own. That's what we got to be, the fear of the Lord. Is I'm, I'm not afraid God's going to hurt me. I'm afraid I'm going to disconnect because his plan is so good. And when I'm connected, his grace, I just got to watch him do what he does. And he starts to grow things in my life like long suffering and patience and love and kindness. The fear of the Lord is the fight to follow. You don't need to fight God. Listen, and you don't need to fight yourself. Some of you are so mad at yourself. That's frustrating. The fight we have is for connection. Connection. We're going to sing this song with a firm foundation today. Church, I want to remind you, as Paul said, there's promises. Some of you, I think that's the truth you need to walk away from today. There's a plan of God for your life. Have you been in this so long you forget God's good? You say things like, I love my church. Thankful. I hear that all the time. I love my church. love my small group. Oh, I love the worship. Love the preaching. Love that. Thank you. But do you know that you love God? God has a plan for your life. It's bigger than this church. It's bigger than Sunday morning for two hours. It's bigger than that. It's bigger than just tuning in online on YouTube and Facebook. It's bigger. God has a plan for your life. And you listen, I want you to go home today on the drive home, on the bus, in the car, as you click off the computer and start dreaming about this plan. And do you know that the Bible says that you can't even dream how good this plan is? I'm sitting in Vancouver with my son, and he's shining with the goodness of God. He's got favor on every area of his life. He's, he's beaming. He's got more questions than answers. He's trying to figure out his life. But he's, God is so, I'm sitting there going, I, I didn't make this happen. 
I'm not smart enough, rich enough, or connected enough. God, I am, I'm flying home going, God, you are so good to me. Three years ago, I never would have imagined that he'd be in this situation. Listen, God has a plan for your life. If you try to make it happen on your own, it's going to be, I do it. And a mess. But if you fight for the connection, both God's direction and correction, you watch what he will do. He will bless you and, and God will birth legacy through your life. You need to fight for connection. I feel a connection today. If I have that connection, I have everything I need for God's good in my life. Amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Now we lead us in the song today. I want to challenge you today. Would you make him the foundation of your life? The connection. Not church. Not religion. Church is a part of it. Faith is a part of it. But I'm talking about a connection today. That Jesus is our firm foundation. When we have his Holy Spirit. Here's the question all week you need to ask yourself. Every conversation, when you start griping with somebody, when you feel like you're disappointed, you want to have an attitude going, does that help or hurt my connection with God? That's the question. That's the filter that everything goes through. Am I connected or is this disconnecting my relationship? Some of you are right and you're so wrong. Going, I'm, I'm disconnecting. I'm right with that attitude. That person hurt me. They disappointed me. And you're right, but you're disconnected. Forgiveness only makes sense when it doesn't make sense. It's like, I, I, I shouldn't forgive them. They, they, they said hard things. I know. That's why it's forgiveness. It's like, I just... Okay, God, I want this more than I want to be right. You can be right, but you'll be alone. We're fighting for connection. Holy Spirit, come. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I'm not afraid, God, that you're going to fight me or hurt me or punish me or judge me or condemn me. God, my fear today is that my comfort will disconnect from your calling, that my works of trying to be a pastor or be a husband or be a father or be a Christian will disconnect from your grace. Father, we speak grace over this room. We pray for divine connection to you, our firm foundation. Let's sing this again. Let's lift him up with all that we are. Christ is my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand. When everything around me is shaking, I've never been more glad that I put my faith in Jesus.
sing this out. Let's sing with faith. Let's be believing in our hearts, not just for these to be words on a screen, but the prayer and reality of our lives. That we stand firm on Jesus. Rain My house was built on you. And I'm safe with The promises are good. I've got her. Good and amen. Can someone say amen? Amen. Have an amazing week. Don't forget youth. There's a house party. Next week is Superhero Sunday. Fight for your connection. God is good and he will not fail. Amen. Coffee is flowing. We'd love for you to hang out in the lobby for a bit and we'll see you next Sunday.